Gravedigger Radio. This is your host, Zach, hanging out in the studio with Jason and Anonymous Mike. Guys, today we're going to dig a little bit more into our previous D&D conversation in regards to the Satanic Panic as part of our bigger overall Satanic Panic series. Jason, what do you got for us today? Um, first of all, I wanted to uh, mention one of our listeners, Simon Cooper from Blackpool in the UK, who bought us a six-pack through the Buy Me a Beer campaign we've been running. Um, he sent us a local beer, the Cocoa Porter from West Six. Mm. Uh, we've been enjoying that. And as far as like dark, heavy beers go, it's it's not too bad. It's all kinds of cocoa, and it's all kinds of porter. A little coffee tasting. A little it's coffee, good. Good. hardcore chocolate right down your throat. Hence the name Cocoa Porter. Yep. Hmm. So thank you, Simon, for that. And if you, dear listeners, would like to buy us a beer to drink on the show... As we've talked about before, we are a podcast fueled by alcohol. You can do so at our Buy Me a Coffee, which we have lovingly set up as Buy Me a Beer, at Buy Me a Coffee forward slash Gravedigger. Not exclusively alcohol. We're 30% intellectual. 30%, yeah. 30% intellectual. 70% alcohol. 70% alcohol by volume, by body weight, I think would be uh, an accurate representation of what fuels this podcast. I also want to mention um, the. Wild Weird World of Word Film Festival 2022 that our good friend Dr. Tom Marksberry is hosting at the University of Kentucky this coming October. Um, it's a series of three horror movies that he has personally selected. The first showing is on October 10th, and the film is from 2014, It Follows. The next showing is October 17th. He's showing the original thing from 1982, freaking classic. And on Halloween night, Trick or Treat from 2007. Um, everybody should come on out. It's at the University of Kentucky Student Center, um, the, the main theater there. Um, all the shows start at 7 p.m. It's free and open to the public. Just show up and have a good time. And for about half an hour after each showing, uh, Dr. Marksbury will get up and talk a little bit about why he selected these shows and how they're representatives or maybe non-representative of the genre. And also field a few questions if uh, anybody wants to throw anything out there. It's a good time. It's a good uh, horror selection of horror films and also you know, kind of an intellectual look at the horror genre and where it's come since its inception. So come yeah. join us. Tom now he Tom forces you to re-examine he does. everything that you look at. He screws with your brain. And, you know, obviously, if you're listening to Gravedigger Radio, you probably are a fan of the horror genre. So be sure to go back and check out our episodes with the Dr. Tom Marksberry joining us on the podcast and giving his kind of deep dive and uh, diagnoses of the, the current state of horror, if you will. Okay, so uh, part two of Dungeons and Dragons and the Satanic Panic in general. Last time we left off where we were saying that there were kind of like three, like a three-headed attack against the game Dungeons and Dragons that, that you know, the wider culture, especially, you know, those like the weird, like far extreme Christian fundamentalist type said, these accusations they had kind of hurled at D&D and what it was doing to the youth in America in the 70s and 80s. And like that three-prong attack was kind of focused on occult indoctrination, which caused changes in behavior and then also learned violence in the youth. So I think the best way to get at the occult indoctrination topic is 
to go back to Jack Chick, and it's just, it's just so, such an easy way to get a snapshot of, of this idea where, you know, the game was not simply this harmless pastime with kids in their basement rolling dice and having a good time and making up stories in some fantasy setting. Like what we did. Right. It was actual occult material that they were publishing. And and that's what this these chick tracks, as we talked about right. last episode, would have the, the, the poor person who, who got hold of one of these just inane bits of a publication mm-hmm. believe that it was this, that Dungeons and Dragons was a gateway drug to Satanism and, and the occult. Yeah. Thanks to you idiots. I have gotten a little bit addicted to looking at those because you can find <laughs> them published on the internet in PDF. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like watching a train wreck. Yeah. Thank you. You feel dumber for having read it. The one he wrote that was targeted at Dungeons and Dragons was called Dark Dungeons. Very ham-fisted. It's like a kind of a flip book. It's not a full-blown comic. It's more like a flip book. It's like a black and white, you know, with, with like cartoon and style graphics. But it follows the descent of a young woman named Debbie who ends up, you know, playing D&D, but then like it leads her down into full membership in this witchcraft coven. Well, that, I mean, they're so easy to find. Right. They're all over the place, right? The game, the Dungeon Master was one Miss Frost. And Miss Frost believes that Debbie not only is a good player of the game, but she actually has, like, this magical talent. So, like, as her character progresses in the game, she believes that Debbie actually can tap into the real magic and become a priestess in this witch cult. Cool. At one point, Marcy, who's Debbie's best friend and also playing the game with them, commits suicide because her character in the game was killed off. You know, killed by goblins or whatever. And so that was such a blow to Marcy that she took her own life. So um, this this is the first sign that Debbie, that maybe she's headed down a wrong path. She begins to kind of like fight against the indoctrination. And she ends up, you know, meeting this charismatic preacher who brings her back to Jesus. And, you know, everything works out well for Debbie. And they, they, they destroy all her books and all her papers and everything. They, they take all the D&D books and her character sheet and all that stuff and they burn it. And then, you know, she she gets on a better path. And I feel like that's kind of a recurring theme that we'll see in the Satanic Panic just as a thing, as the idea of these book burnings. Yeah, and I remember, um, like, when I was, a, like, a junior high school kid, we'd go on, like, these retreats and stuff in my church. And we'd go to some big city or whatever, and the, some of the trip get, like, a Def Leppard cassette. There were these things called cassettes. Right, back in the... <laughs> Ye olden times. I, I didn't realize that they had invented music yeah. when you yeah. were in junior high. I, yeah. I thought that came later. Yeah, back in the mid-80s. And um, so, like, it was funny. I remember this one girl in particular. I won't say her name, but she bought, like, a Def Leppard cassette. And the youth pastor Was her name Debbie? Debbie. <clears throat> yes, it was Debbie. <laughs> for, for purpose of the show, it's Debbie. And so, you know, that was deemed um, unwholesome. And so, like, on the drive back home, like, she'd realized her mistake. And, and and so they, like, took the tape out of her cassette and, like, threw it out the bus window and let the tape unravel as we traveled down the highway and everything. Oh, man, because I was going to say, I was like, think about some kid walking along, free <laughs> Def Leppard cassette. Like, that's his lucky day. No, no they strung out the cassette over, a, I don't know, quarter mile. Wind it back in with a pencil. I-65. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the thing we're thinking about here. I just I just have to wonder, you know. Knowing what little bit I do know about the chick tracks, for the majority of it, it's related to the D&D one that you so graciously you know, crammed into my brain to know it existed. I, just, I wonder what kind of weird psychological journey of inanity 
that this man has to go on to come up with the things that are in those little books. Like, it's so just bizarre and crazy. I bet it's not that complicated for him. Just probably. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. They all kind of follow a similar path of they, you know, Satan, and then they all end, and and then they were saved. The guys probably made quite a bit of money off this, to be honest. Well, they're they're free, aren't they, Jason? No, you got it's like four bucks or something. Ugh. Yeah, that is. You would be better just to set the four dollars on fire. <laughs> but he he ranges all over topics, you know, from Halloween to whatever, anything that could be the least bit construed as being a cult or. Off base. He's written these little comics about it, and he still publishes to this day, I believe. But you know, and, I, and it was definitely more prevalent in the time period that we're talking about. You know, the seventies, eighties, even up to early nineties. But I really feel like there was a, a quite large amount of people that they they wanted to find the devil hiding behind every bush, like waiting out to jump and grab the youth and drag yeah. them to hell. Yeah, and I don't mean to pick on on Jack. Chick in particular because he's small potatoes compared to like 60 minutes. Oh, yeah. We will, like I said, there is so much to unpack in terms of the Satanic Panic umbrella that there will be multiple episodes down the road about some of the big players and the bullshit they perpetrated during mm-hmm. this time period and the lives that they ruined. Right. So, um, like 60 minutes, like anonymous, like you're closer to me in age, that was like the big news program, you know, once the football games were done on Sunday evening. I always hated it because I'm like, oh, God, that means I got to, like, take my bath and get ready for school in the morning. Um, Monday is coming. But 60 Minutes did a a big episode in 1985 um, where they kind of went down this road about how if your children begin playing this game, then their changes in behavior will become apparent and they're they're all negative changes. And they interviewed a woman named Patricia Pulling who asserts that her son was a D&D player. And it greatly altered his personality and directly led to his suicide in 1982. Um, if you get on YouTube and just Google Satanic Panic Dungeons and Dragons 1982 60 Minutes, you'll immediately come upon the video where she's interviewed in this 60 And this was a hard-hitting journalist, you know, mainstream journalism piece. Right. Um, th- it, this, this wasn't just some kind of crackpot no, internet source. This was freaking 60 Minutes. And, you know, it's still around today as like one of these like deep-diving journalism, you know, programs, news programs. She claims that, of course, from the get-go, her son, her son, and his name was Irving, was smart and intelligent, never had any psychological problems. He was well-adjusted, never had any problems in school. But I guess, unbeknownst to them, his D&D character <laughs> had been inflicted with a curse in the game, which had allegedly urged him to kill himself because he began to believe that he himself was evil as well. And during his exposure to this game, his his personality changed, his nature changed to the point where he was even like threatening violence against his younger sister. And and for that family, the, the, it was the game that was the culprit. All of this was clearly the one and only source of his mental decline that manipulated him into not only becoming violent in the family, but ultimately into taking his own life. And how old did you say this kid was? A teenager. So, the other thing, too, especially this time period, really, we've made leaps and bounds in the study of psychology, really only in the last, like, 20, 30 years. You think, at this time, a lot of times with schizophrenics, it'll manifest in early to mid-teens. And at that point in time, you know, there were still a lot of people that looked at schizophrenia as possession symptoms. Hmm. So, to me, it almost kind of sounds like he may have had a touch of schizophrenia, and those symptoms of being thinking that he's afflicted by a curse, the mm-hmm. paranoia, the persecutory delusions, 
the violence, the outbreaks. Now, not everybody with schizophrenia is going to be violent, kill themselves, and, no. that, and that's not what we're saying. because yeah, the definition has changed, hasn't it? Right, but the, the sudden kind of weird change could have definitely been an early manifestation of like schizophrenia like symptoms. Right. And, that, and you know, in that, at that age, your brain is still developing. I mean, you're still developing well into your early 20s. Um, and it takes a long time for some of those problems to, to, be, to be known, to, be, to show themselves, I guess you should say. And, and that's kind of the thing that we've wanted to hit at overall with, especially the D&D part, is the big thing that you'll see as a recurring theme over these episodes is confusing causation and correlation. So, to add an air of gravitas to the episode, 60 Minutes brought in Dr. Thomas Radicke for his expert opinion. Um, Dr. Radicke, at the time, this was uh, 1985, um, he was the sitting chairman of the, counts- the National Council on Violence on Television and a licensed psychiatrist who, at the time, was teaching at the University of Illinois Medical School. He claimed that a game can indeed modify behavior as the players in, ro- in role-play games are rehearsing and developing the character hour after hour, day after day. And so he believed that this dedication to developing a, a new alter ego can lead a person to take on these learned behaviors and act upon them. Dr. Radicke claims in the interview on the 60 Minutes episode that he can point to 28 cases between 1980 and 1985 that involve the death of a D&D player where the game was either a decisive element in the death or a major element in their death. Which, hearing that, I, I think is absolute bullshit. Because I think, for me, it's kind of been the reverse. A lot of the characters, I mean, you and I, we've all been playing D&D together for, got eight, nine years now. Or at least I haven't years. killed any of you. Right. But like, I you mean, know, I've kind of wanted to, but. And that's fair. <laughs> At times. <laughs> we, we can be abrasive personalities. <coughs> but for me, especially if I was dealing with something difficult in my life or having a hard time, I would pour those negative emotions into that character and make it kind of a creative outlet as a way to work through those things. So I think what he's saying is absolute bunk. I, I think a lot of times, and and now studies are showing that D&D can be a good, creative, constructive, therapeutic outlet. Well, and if you look at the statistics, the mid-1980s were not a peak era in teen suicide rates. In fact, they're pretty boring as far as that's concerned. Let's let's uh, go ahead and break this down. Jason finds teen suicide exciting. <laughs> but also, um, it should be noted that the National Council that Dr. Radicke was ahead of was a nonprofit that he had founded, is now defunct, and that he was actually lost. He actually lost his medical license after being found guilty of multiple multiple ethics violations. Um, he was convicted for trading drugs for sex and even impregnating one of his clients. One of his clients. Um, he went to prison for over a decade. So maybe he's not the best source to be spouting information about the evils of Dungeons and Dragons. But you never hear that. None of my D and D characters ever did that shit. No, <laughs> right. I mean, my my worst characters have been far more wholesome than that. But that's the interesting part, and you'll see this again and again around the Satanic Panic. Is that a lot of the big major players had skeletons in their closet that were far worse than anything that they were speaking out against. Who was it? The uh, I, I, I went back. I watched that entire sixty minutes interview before we did this episode, and mm-hmm. there I can't remember his name. The head of their PR came in and said, we have three to four million players in the United States. And, it was huge. And how many how many really incidences can be pointed towards a direct correlation between that? If you come up with the number 28, you do not have a sample. Right. You, you don't right. have a sample. If you had 2,800, 
then you're you're making an argument, but you still don't have a sample. Still be statistically insignificant. Not not yeah. not ninety five percent in any type of correlation that you could come up with on any two tailed t test or anything that you could right. think of with that. I think they were, we had some troubled youth. I think we have some today. We always do and always will. <laughs> so learned violence, the third the third attack pattern um, that was thrown at Dungeons and Dragons. Do Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons players are they more apt to become violent offenders? And the conspiracy backers would certainly say so. William Deere, the private investigator we mentioned before on the on the James Dallas Edgar case in Michigan State, um, said that the players in the game are leaving the world of reality and into the world of fantasy. And this fantasy world, quote, advocated murder and decapitation. It's oh, yeah. Oddly specific, but <laughs> more disturbing is the testimony of a young man referred to as Taylor in a video produced by JCTV. His account is, is truly amazing and, and, and not unquestionably over the top, not a bit. In his disjointed statements, he claims that he began his descent into violence and depravity when he was introduced to D&D by his friend, Snake. <laughs> Um, he enjoyed the power the game simulated what? for him. Yeah, Snake. We got a buddy named Snake, don't we? No. I, <laughs> I think it was like Simpsons character. Wasn't Snake a Simpsons <laughs> right. character? Like, I feel like you shouldn't what, judge what anybody just by their name. But I mean, he probably picked that name for himself. And <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I would consider anybody that goes, hey, my name's Snake. As being like the, the wholesome moral authority. But I mean, if it's cool with you guys... You know, going forward, if you want to call me Snake, that'd be cool. Jason, J- well, what was the wrestler Jake the Snake? Yeah, Jake yeah. the Snake so, Roberts. Yeah, yeah Jake so Roberts. Jason the Snake, Jake the Snake, <laughs> our, our very own Jake the Snake. Jason the Snake. So Taylor enjoyed the power the game simulated for him through his character's ability to slay enemies and creatures, and he admittedly began to substitute that game for reality. Um, he claims that his D and D slash Satanism group consisted of. A lot of very powerful people, including doctors, lawyers, and nurses, and they all participated in ritualistic sex and began breeding for the sole purpose of producing children to sacrifice to Satan. I'm going to foreshadow one of our future episodes, but this is like the McMartin preschool stuff all over that they're just sacrificing babies yep. and everything. Yep, yep, exactly. Another thing for the listeners to go out to Google. I'm well, sorry, as a lifelong RPG player, this is re- ridiculous and it's you know like i said we will definitely go on about the mcmartin preschool trial that's one of the biggest kind of satanic trials of this time period Mm -hmm. and that'll be down the road but you know this going back a lot of it just sounds like poorly and undiagnosed mental illness of just delusions of grandeur that i'm part of this cult i'm part of this group with all these high powered influential individuals and, you know, you better watch your back because we're some bad guys and we do bad things. And I think it, it just speaks to a lot of mental illness going on with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about if you think about the game and we're all experienced decades, like Zach, the baby, I've got, Dec- I've got 20 years. You're Dec- making us well, sound so like nerds. Decades long experience. It is ninety nine point nine percent of anybody I've ever played with the battle of good versus evil. Most of the time, at least, you know, in the groups that I've played with. Everybody chooses the path of good. Absolutely. Uh, there is a we've come full circle. There's a recent article in last month's issue of Christianity Today, which talks about how D and D is good for Christian youth. That is <laughs> because it teaches you those those concepts like banding together, working together, social social contracts, social understanding, social teamwork to to take on bigger evils 
present in your society. That's well, now amazing. that Christianity likes it, I'm out. I'm not playing D&D. It's not cool anymore now, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, D&D's lame now. I'm not Damn playing. It. I'm out. <laughs> they just signed their death warrant. Right. That's It's over. I'm done. I only liked it when it was satanic and hellfire and, and demons. And that adds up because when all this was blowing up in the mid-80s, sales skyrocketed. Many kids couldn't get enough of it. Anyway, back to the 60 Minutes episode. In Lafayette, Colorado, 1984, Officer Greg Corey was assigned to a murder-suicide case involving two boys, which were directly caused by their, quote, obsessions with playing D&D. He stated at the episode that the game was a focal point in their lives, that they were enthralled by it, and would stage marathon play sessions that could last over 48 hours. The police department later sued the shit out of them. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like... We do good to play for, like, six to eight hours. Oh, gosh. I couldn't imagine playing D&D for 48 hours straight. That just... I love D&D. Now, back when I was a young buck, I could go for 20 hours straight. Okay, I was going to say, but even 20 hours <laughs> to me sounds like hell. And I love D&D. Right, so conspiracy is in the eye of the beholder. I like what you did there. No, oh, thank you. You thank said you. beholder. For those that don't know, a beholder is, like, <laughs> one of the big mascot monsters of D&D. <laughs> Jason's over there, very proud of himself, of his pun that he came up with for the D&D episode. Wait, thank you. You mean everybody doesn't know that? Right, not everybody knows that. Oh. We Believe it or not, we do actually have a very diverse listenership. Uh, and I would assume not every one of them is like deeply entrenched in a D&D like we are. Yeah. And, you know, D&D, and we'll get into this later, but D&D wasn't the only target of this satanic panic thing. I mean, it involved rock music, video games, s- slasher movies. Um, everything that was mainstream at the time that wasn't, like, right down the middle could, could be thrown under the bus. The good thing about the 60 Minutes episode is they did get e- give, like, at least equal time to the creator of the game, Gary Gygax, to kind of, like, defend himself and his company, TSR. And Gary was kind of, like, cutthroat about it. I mean, he placed the blame for all this hysteria and all this nonsense squarely at the feet of the, the parents. He said there is no scientific or fact-based connections between his fantasy game and teen suicide or teen violence in the 1980s. He believed that the the critics of the game were were looking for a scapegoat and for a way to explain, quote, their own failures as a parent. Thankfully, that doesn't happen today. (laughs) We we fixed all those social problems. Right. Well, and to me, all this sounds like is the predecessor to, like, the Jack Thompson, that attorney... That was the hard-charging one against uh, Grand Theft Auto and violent video games. Oh, it's the same thing all over again. It's the exact same thing, just in a different medium. It comes around every generation. And and once again, even during that time period, there was no proof whatsoever that violent video games made violent people. Mm -mm. And and just like this, there was no proof at all that, especially D&D... Would, would make a uh, a legion of, of foaming at the mouth killers that people at that time period would have others believe. Yeah, and I understand, you know, Gary for being upset that all this was being hurled at his game, his his love child. I mean, it may have been a bit harsh to say that it was just all these failed parents that caused. You know, he just threw it totally back on them. Like I'm not responsible for anything. I'm not saying he was, but you know, it is a difficult issue. Uh, troubled teens. I mean, we're still d- dealing with with that today. And again, that murky gray area of when mental health issues begin to first rear their head in someone's lives and throw in D&D and all those other stuff that people believed in at the time. And it, it's a gray area. I don't want to come down on either side of it, but I definitely don't think that D&D caused people to become violent Satanists. No, and like I said, you, you think about the parenting styles of the time period and everything. 
you're not going to beat the crazy out of somebody. No. And a lot of a lot of those parenting styles would make people worse if they had something already wrong with them. Uh, the more that, say, their parents were kind of against the things they were doing, like being against D&D, a lot of times that'll just make people double down on their own bullshit. <laughs> yeah, um, studies have shown that as well. Like, even, like, you know, you get to, like, the very radical political groups, even in our culture today, like, if, even if you show them fact-based evidence of how they're wrong, they'll just double down and keep believing it. Well, like, that was the whole thing with the, the QAnon nutcases. Was it John F. John F. Kennedy Jr. was supposed to make his return, and then he didn't show up at this rally in Texas, and they were like, no, he's coming at a different location. We're all going down the street. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't see all this? This was just, no. it was amazing. Yeah, the, and, and I, I don't care. The QAnon people, like, that is 4chan's finest work to get of, of trolling is to create QAnon to where all these idiots actually believe it. But then it kind of became a monster that escaped. And no, they, uh, they believed these QAnon idiots that John F. Kennedy Jr. was supposed to come back. Like he wasn't actually dead and was going to return at this rally in Texas. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> was, was this right down the street from that flat earther convention? It, it, I would imagine there's a significant amount of overlap between the QAnon and the Flat Earther Society. I thought the QAnon were like a bunch of right-wing crazy people. They are. Mm -hmm. So there would be a, a significant amount of overlap between those two. I mean, there's a lot of science denial that goes on with, with the QAnon bunch. Oh, wow. Uh, you've seen this in some of the other cults, too, where, like, you know, they believe at this astrological moment, astronomical moment, maybe both, um, that stuff's going to hit the fan, and then it passes and nothing happens. Like, oh, we did the dates wrong. You know what? It's next year. I mean, but could you imagine being like the Heaven's Gate people that all right. off themselves trying to hitch a ride on the Hell Bob Comet? Right, right. Have you watched any of those videos? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. When I, I was went down that rabbit hole by mistake. But you're still here. <laughs> but could you imagine, though, being like, oh, man, I got the date wrong on that and all your followers are dead. Your yeah. entire cult's wiped out. Parks and Recreation did a great episode on that. They had a, a they had to reserve the park for this cult that would show up every year and like went to You know that out. website's still active? Well, they left oh, some really? people behind so that people could come and talk to them about the beliefs of Heaven's Gate. Eh? They were they were the chosen that was left behind to kind of be the living representatives that didn't go so that they could recruit more followers, which to me doesn't make any sense because, hell, your, your, your ticket to wherever you were going on that comment has already sailed by. Well, it'll be back around, won't it? I was, I mean, I'd assume. I don't, I don't know that much detail on it. Keep talking. You're convincing me as you speak. All right, right. Are you, you're going to get you some white Adidas and like an all white outfit here. <laughs> I'm okay, freaking so, wearing Adidas as we speak with all right, black. Science astronomy guy here. Hail Bop is a long period comet. We're not going to see that for a very long time. Well, that's why you got to get the followers now and generations. No, no, and generations. a very long time. Okay, like how long are we talking? It seems like Hail Bop had had a. I think I think it reached perihelion every like. 700 years or something. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was, it's long. It's long. It's here and gone. So we say all this and we get off on this tangent to show that while there are definitely crazy cults out there <laughs> that are, are making people's lives and it's just terrible and it's destroying lives left and right, D&D &D ain't it. No. You should go play D&D &D right now. We would, we would highly encourage it. I mean, if you haven't played it, check it out sometime. Get some friends together and, and roll some dice and in fact, you know, just as the last moment aside, it's actually shown to, like, greatly help those who are neurologically divergent um, with their social skills and coming out of their shells and becoming more... Ah, 
what best word to say is, but more functional human beings. Oh, I was wrong. Hillbop is 2,500 years. Internet Explorer Mike is <laughs> always three <laughs> topics behind. But yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of studies that are showing that, like you said, various neurodivergent people mm-hmm. are showing great success in both communication and problem-solving skills through the use of D&D, and it's benefiting them in their wider lives. Well, guys, so that's all we've got for the D&D segment of the Satanic Panic uh, multi-series. So, so that we're not just dragging you guys down with just constant topics of Satanic Panic. We're going to kind of break this up, but it will be as part of a larger over-connected series that we'll do God, probably over the course of the next year or so of various elements of Satanic Panic. And as always, we're just we're super excited to be back and doing this podcast for you guys, and, and we greatly enjoy it. And if you like what we do here at Gravedigger Radio and you want to help us keep doing it, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Gravedigger Radio. Or if you just like to buy us a beer, head over to Buy Me a Coffee forward slash Gravedigger. All right, guys, we'll tune in next time for another spooky tale. <laughs>